Hey guys, Alana Terry here. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that things are going really well for you this week. And we're going to be diving in to an episode, kind of looking back at, let's see, I've been writing now for almost six years. Yeah. So um, actually, yep, doing the math, six years. <laughs> I didn't even realize I had uh, made it to my sixth year book anniversary from when my first book or my first novel, The Beloved Daughter, was published. So I want to talk about some of the struggles that I had that first year and talk especially to new authors, like what I would do differently if I knew everything now that I knew then, which of course is it's silly. I want to start off by saying I really, I don't regret things. Like looking back, I made decisions that made sense at the time with what I knew. They're not the same decisions that I would make now. But you know, this sounds cheesy and cliche, but I, I did learn from them. I do think I, you know, like I said, did the best with what I knew at the time. But I do want to talk now about what maybe I would do differently or, or things that I did that I wouldn't suggest people, you know, replicate exactly in today's environment. So my first book was published in 2013. One of the things that I regret that I did is I really did wait for validation. And so that is a mistake that I wish I hadn't made. So my book, The Beloved Daughter, it's a Christian suspense novel set in North Korea. It's about Christian persecution. I had it written for, I think, four or five years before it got published. It might not have been that long, but several years at the very least before it got published. And I really was waiting for somebody else to tell me that my book was good enough to be out there. And so this was the era when people would still do, you know, the querying publishers, trying to find an agent. When none of those avenues opened for me, I said, okay. I guess my book isn't good enough and I need to wait for someone to tell me it is. And so I entered it into a contest. It got second place. And at that point I felt, okay, now my book's good enough. I wish I hadn't done that and had had the confidence to be able to say, you know what, this book is good enough. I don't need an award or readers or bloggers or critique partners or editors to tell me. That it's good enough. But of course, that's far more easily said than done. I was not a confident person six years ago. And I think writing has really helped me get, you know, out of my shell. It seems silly, like I'm in my mid-30s and I just now feel like I'm getting to where, you know, I'm less concerned about, you know, what people think. But even so, like, People talking badly about my book, yeah, that upsets me more than I want it to even now, but not nearly as much as it did back then. And so that's another of the mistakes that I definitely made was kind of basing my emotional well-being on how my book was received once it was published. And so as quickly as you can get off that roller coaster, I want you to get off that roller coaster. Like I said, I'm still on it sometimes. The way I combat it and I've talked about this before, in general, I do not read my reviews. If I have a lot of bad reviews, I will ask, now this is the best me. This is how the best me handles it. I'm not saying I do this every time. The best me handles bad reviews. If I see you know, a slew of one stars by asking either my husband or my assistant, hey, could you 
check these out and just tell me kind of what they're saying. And that way they can say, oh yeah, they're all upset because it ended on a cliffhanger or wow, they say there's a lot of spelling mistakes in these books or whatever. If I hear it from somebody that I know loves me and has my best interest at heart, then I can say, okay, and use that as constructive criticism. If it's just like, you know, one or two, one stars out of a hundred or 200, I ignore it. Another thing I do is try not to read what other people are saying about me online. And so I know some authors sign up for like Google alerts and things like that, which can be helpful. Like just like one star reviews, they can be helpful if you actually have legitimate problems and can learn from that criticism. Google alerts can be helpful. You know, I know some people sign up for them so that they know if their book's being pirated or something like that. I choose to not just because like I said, I've come a long way in growing my confidence, but I'm not where I want to be. So I just don't want to have my mental energy absorbed with, wow, what are people saying about me? So that would be mistake number two, just really letting my emotions be dictated by strangers who, when they're, you know, leaving a review or writing a blog post, they're really not thinking about me. Like they're, they're thinking about the readers. That's something to keep in mind. Reviews are for readers. They're not for you to either, you know, get a pat on the back if they loved your book or to make you feel terrible because they hated your book. They're really just to let other readers know if that book is for them. So another mistake that I made in that first year was I really didn't do a good job taking care of my health. I would basically write until I couldn't think of anything else to say. So I would write until I crashed. So Fridays, we, we homeschooled during the week and Fridays were kind of our chillax day. And I could like probably some of those days was on the computer from like nine in the morning till nine at night, just, and a lot of it was real busy worky stuff. It wasn't even like the fun stuff of actually writing. It was getting everything perfectly formatted or all of those things. I didn't take breaks in between. I got really bad eye strain. I got really bad carpal tunnel that had me off the computer for months. And really it just, it, it felt very unbalanced because either I was, um, you know, doing our homeschool stuff, or I was just at the computer, like for hours without breaks. It, it just wasn't healthy. I didn't have a good ergonomic system set up or anything. And so that would be another, just a bit of advice, no matter what stage of your writing you're at, it's to pay attention to your ergonomics, do some wrist stretches, take care of your health, take care of your eyes. Sometimes if you see in the video, like you'll, if I look at the light a certain way, you'll see like a, a purple light reflected in my lens. Cause I've got that, uh, that filter on my glasses that can help from, you know, some of the rays that bounce off of your screen. And that really helps with my eye strain. Doing things like that is so helpful. And sometimes even just stepping away from your work is it's good, not just for your physical body, but just for your outlook, for your creativity. So after I got back working after that bout of really crippling carpal tunnel, I would do 30 minutes of work and then take like a 10 minute break to do those stretches and move around. And at first, like I hated the thought of it because I'm like, hey, if I'm in the zone, if I'm like really getting into my work, or into my writing, the last thing I wanna do is to stop. But what I found was that even just taking five minutes of a break 
every half an hour, it helped my creativity so much because it really turned much more into sprints. So, hey, I'm tired. My mind's getting a little sluggish, but I only have 10 more minutes to go. So I'm going to plow through because I know a break's coming. Whereas, like I said before, it was, okay, here I am. I'm going to write until basically like I fall asleep at the keyboard or something. So it actually amazingly and surprisingly helped my creative output immediately, like probably within day two of taking these enforced breaks, I could see the benefits to just my creative side, my mental side, all of that. So like I said, this is something that you can glean from no matter what stage of your writing you're in is to just take time away from the computer. Now I've even gone to doing a lot of things by hand if I can. So like if I am writing an email for my newsletter list, over half the time I'll actually write that in my journal, which I can take with me anywhere. So, you know, I'll do it in doctor's offices or, or things like that. Sometimes I, I take my journals to the gym. So sometimes I'm on like the recumbent bike, just writing my emails uh, and then transcribing them later, having my assistant transcribe them later. So that was another thing that helped me is moving some of my work away from the computer. And you know, there's not a lot that you can do away from the computer, but maybe more than you think. Like a lot of my uh, managing my ads and stuff I'll do on my phone now. So just anything that can get you away from your computer, even if it's just for short bursts of time, I think is great, not only for your physical health, but just your creative output too. So talking about that time where I had such bad carpal tunnel, I had published my first book, The Beloved Daughter. It went on to win quite a few different awards. I was getting emails from readers saying, I loved your book so much. When is the next one coming out? And I got an email once like that and just went into the bathroom and sobbed because my hands and wrists hurt so bad that I didn't think I was going to ever be able to write again. And I really freaked out. And then when I did start writing again, I had a severe case of the sophomore slump, which is basically some authors, their hardest book is their first book, and other authors, their hardest book is the second book, or else they find, even if it's not the hardest, they find their second book to be very hard because they have expectations now to live up to. And like J.K. Rowling talks about, how hard writing book two was compared to writing book one because she didn't have expectations going into book one but by book two you know she kind of set the bar pretty high and so I really struggled with book two so like I said I had that period of about three months off the computer completely and then I had another nine months just to write the book edit the book revamp the book it was a very difficult book to write and a big just mindset battle to overcome just getting it out there anyway and then it didn't do as well as I hoped like the first several reviews and like I said this was back when I was like refreshing every five minutes to see if someone had left a new review quite a bit of four stars which aren't bad but it wasn't what I was hoping for and just you know there a lot of people mentioned there were a lot of characters it was a little hard to follow which you know it was it was a valid thing that I actually did go on and and make some very significant edits even after it was published as a result of those. So when book two came out and didn't like take over the world overnight and had what felt to me like kind of a lackluster launch and reception, 
it really threw me off. And again, I was back at that point of, oh, maybe I should give this up. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe everybody's right. Cause I thought that they were telling me that I was a terrible writer, you know, like that's, that's what I heard when really all they were saying was, you know what, there's a lot of characters here. It's a little hard to follow. My mind took that to mean, oh, Lana, you're a horrible writer. What are you doing? Trying to, you know, trying to become an author. And so I had this super encouraging conversation with my husband and it really was a game changer for me. And he just reminded me, and we both remember this conversation. We both kind of reference back to it. It's really just a changing point in my mindset and therefore just really in my writing career. He's like, okay, so instead of a hundred sales of book two, you got 40 sales book two. You know, I don't know if those are the exact numbers. In five years, imagine how many thousands of books you're going to be selling. Imagine how many more dozens of books you're going to have published. So basically, he was encouraging me to remember that I was doing a marathon and not a sprint in terms of my writing career. That those 60 sales that I didn't hit, you know, like wanting to have 100 sales and only getting 40, you know, those don't really matter in the long, long run, right? So it was just a really good, and I wish I could kind of remember the exact quote so I could say it right to you. And all I can tell you is kind of the gist of it. But if you are in a point where you're feeling discouraged, or, you know, maybe you're not discouraged right now, but something comes up, you know, a little later, I just really want to encourage you to remember that these seemingly major things like, you know, one bad launch or, you know, several bad reviews right away or, you know, even something that's not part of your control, like Amazon sends out the wrong book to people or your account has quality flags, you know, those sorts of things, they feel so big at the time. And yes, like if I woke up tomorrow and Amazon said, yeah, your account's been suspended, you better believe my blood pressure is going to skyrocket. It's something like that. But just remember, and again, I don't want to pretend like I do this perfectly, but I want to encourage you to just try to, when things are looking, are looking bad, try to remember, hey, if you don't give up, if you keep doing this book thing, right? You're going to have in five years, more books, more income, more readers, more reviews, more lifelong fans. And these little things that feel like big things now aren't going to matter as much. So I just wanted to leave you with that sense of encouragement. Again, this isn't just, you know, a pep talk for brand new writers like it was for me at the time, but wherever you are, in your writing journey because there are ups and downs but in as much as you can kind of get yourself off that roller coaster the more energy you're going to have just to focus on your books to focus on your readers to recognize one launch doesn't make or break your career there's always the next book there's always the next series this, this is really just your uh, your dose of don't give up <laughs> inspiration Keep on doing the work you're doing, even if it feels hard, even if it feels like nobody notices. I want you to know you are doing an awesome job. Keep up with it. Don't give up. And just keep that, you know, five years down the road, where do you want to be in mind? And 
you know, imagine, let's say you've achieved in five years the success that you're desiring right now. Is this little road bump, hiccup, pothole, plot twist, is this going to be something that you're going to look back and fixate on? I just say that to kind of encourage you that some of these small discouragements that you might be facing, you know, five years from now, they probably aren't going to be as strong of a disappointment or have as much of a stronghold on you. At the very least, it's something you can learn from, grow from. So thank you for listening. Like I said, I hope you got a little bit of encouragement. So have a great day and I'll see you next time.